You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to the Pullbox Podcast. This is our 60th episode, which is kind of a milestone almost. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. <laughs> and I am your other host, Curtis Findlay. Uh, and, and in this episode, we're going to talk about Star Wars Infinities. We're going to talk about all three books. Uh, a New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Um, or all one book. Or all one book have if you bought have the, the omnibus, uh, yeah. yeah, the Dark Horse, Star Wars, Infinity's Omnibus. Or the Marvel just recently reprinted this as yeah. well as part of their Star Wars Leg- Legends, Star Wars Legends Epic Collection. Okay. Um, so yeah, lots of options to buy. Yeah, for sure. Um, so in case you were unaware, you didn't read the books. Um, first of all, spoilers abound. Uh, many, many, many spoilers because these books are not, even though they share the titles of the movies from the original trilogy, they do not follow the plots. Uh, that's kind of the whole that's the point, deal, yeah. right? Um, well, are you saying there's spoilers for the book or spoilers for the movies? Spoilers for the book. I yeah. think if you are worried about spoilers for Star Wars, the original trilogy of Star Wars, uh, then uh, you're listening to the wrong person. Well, and like, and, where uh, were you for the last yeah, exactly. 30 years? Yeah, um, although there are people out there. I, oh, it I just, know. it astounds me. Unless you're like in the heart of communist China where Star Wars is not a thing. That's not like me making a generalization. That's a literal thing. Like, people in China do not care about Star Wars at all. It's it's very it's very interesting. I, I don't quite know why, but so are you um, saying people in your in your circles in your star like pop culture circles haven't seen Star Wars, or people who just don't care about there, movies or sci-fi there are, haven't there seen are there are people Wars. out there in the world who have not seen Star Wars, which like my parents haven't seen Star Wars. Okay, like that that astounds me. Like the, the Star Wars is is not just a series of movies and i'm like i you know if you haven't seen the prequels i don't really care if you didn't see the force awakens you know you missed out on a really great movie but you know like it the force awakens is only the force awakens because the original movies come first yeah but the original 3 star wars films are so integral to western pop culture um, how could you possibly enjoy anything else without having enjoyed Star Wars? <laughs> because it doesn't matter what you're watching. If you're watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Gilmore Girls or, God, I bet you even The Good Wife probably has a Star Wars reference somewhere in it. it, it like We live in a culture today where referencing pop culture is sort of a shorthand right we uh, in the last yeah the last five or ten years we've gotten into this sort of mimetic culture where uh instead of having conversations we just go you know that time in that one thing and then everybody goes yeah and then we're all friends right yeah well that's um, how family guy does all of their jokes yeah and and the the original pop culture reference was star wars because it was something that everybody could that's not to. the original no 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 way well okay what do you uh-huh. what would you say is the original i would say casablanca 
You think Castle Black? Oh yeah. Um, round up the usual suspects. Sure. Um, um, and uh, oh man, there's so many quotes from that movie. Well, played um, again, Sam. Played yeah. again, Sam. Sure. Yeah. Maybe not today, not yeah. tomorrow, but yeah. soon for the rest of your life. And yeah, for sure. Like no, I mean th- there are other things that are or pop gone culture. with the wind. Um, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Yeah, there are things that that were that that are referenced for sure. Like I'm not saying that like pop culture references didn't exist before that, but. Star Wars is one of those things where, like, everybody... I, I mean, Casablanca and Gone with the Wind. I mean, Gone with the Wind was seen... If you if you go, like, per ticket, Gone with the Wind has, like, sold more tickets than any other movie in history or something yeah. like that. Because, But that's because Gone with the Wind well, also ran on. for, like, five years because there were no other movies. Right. And, it, and like, tickets were, like, a, a quarter, right? Well, I mean, they were less I, than that. Inflation. But, but yeah... Stuff, but, but yeah, like it, it's sort of a different time. So yeah, for sure, culture was smaller back then, right? Mm-hmm. But but um, Star Wars to me is like the beginning of pop culture. I think so. I mean, right? there's, you can say that for sure. Yeah, yeah. So so when I say like pop culture references, that's what I mean. You know, like I I definitely there are there are movies and 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 art that were referenced before that, but. And and Star Wars in and of itself is pop culture references because it's Kurosawa and and uh, and and sort of you know Western and and yeah. pulp comics and Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon all and one. all that stuff. So yeah. and I think that that's why Star Wars ends up being so endlessly uh, referenceable because it is already an amalgamation of so many other things. Right. Um, well, it's not just the it's not just the dialogue references. Yeah. It's visual references and yeah. uh, and like the score, the music yeah. is referenced all the yeah. time. And, the, yeah, the whole yeah. thing, right? So um, this is not a pointless uh, diatribe from a Star Wars fan. This is all important information because leading into Star Wars Infinities, I think it's important to note how sort of ingrained in society. And in pop culture, Star Wars is. So yep. everybody knows that... Oh, not everybody, because we just talked about that. But most people know. Anybody who knows Star Wars knows use the Force Luke, even though that's not said in the movies. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Luke, and, I, am and Luke I Am Your Father, which is also not from the movies. They're both misquotes. But um, they know that Luke blows up the Death Star. Yeah. Right? That, that That's sort of... That's the end of the it's first To the point movie. where when we were... I was watching... Um, Empire Strikes Back with yeah. my six-year-old son for yeah. the first time. He already knew yeah. that Darth Vader was Luke's father. Yeah. He already knew. And he yeah. hadn't, like, we don't watch Clone Wars or anything. It's just something that he knows because he in exists in this world. Yeah. And that, I, you know, it was the same for me. I never had a moment. When I first watched Empire Strikes Back, I didn't, there was no twist for me because I already knew that going into it, right? Like it was yeah. no revelation because I think I may have even started with Return of the Jedi. So, you know, <laughs> like because like, I was born in 85, so all three movies were already out. But all of that to say Star Wars Infinities takes that pop culture knowledge and it twists it. So yeah. in the moment when Luke uh, fires the, the, the proton torpedo into the Death Star, it's a dud. They say it doesn't go off. No, it goes um, off prematurely. It, yeah, it goes off prematurely. So it damages the Death Star. It doesn't outright stop it, but it, it delays them from being able to fire on Yavin 4. Just long enough for some characters to escape. Uh, but the majority of the Rebellion is destroyed. Luke and Han manage to escape and go to Dagobah. Together, yeah. Uh, together. 
Um, and uh, and Leia is captured by Darth Vader and taken to the Emperor. And so the the whole story plays out differently. I yes and no. There's a lot of it that actually still it comes plays, full circle. It, yeah. it plays itself the way the movies do for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, like there's no point in any of the movies that exist where Yoda gets on the Death Star no. and then uses it <laughs> that to, was awesome. yeah. to blow up. I uh, does he blow up all of Coruscant or no he crashes it into the planet doesn't yeah he? yeah um which I think is a little bit odd because even though Coruscant is the the imperial home world there's a lot of innocent people on Coruscant it doesn't really strike me as something that Yoda would do but uh but it's fun to think about well the um, needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. yeah there's sure. my Star Trek reference yeah, they just in, Star a Star Trek Wars, in a Star Wars, Star Wars episode, episode. <laughs> um have we ever read a Star Trek comic on here we should I there are actually some good ones um, but, uh, yeah, so, so each one of these stories kind of goes off on its own tangent. Um, we sort of just ran through, uh, uh, a new hope. One of the other parts is that Vader, um, and, and the Emperor corrupt Leia, turn her to the dark side briefly, and then Luke and Leia do battle towards the end. But Luke turns her back to the light side and, uh, and, and then they, they save the day. Um... In Empire, uh, instead of uh, uh, Han making it to Luke in time, his Tauntaun freezes before he reaches the third marker, just as the guy says uh, in the hangar bay. Um, And so uh, Han doesn't have the Tauntaun to stuff Luke inside of, so Luke dies from exposure, right? Uh, So with Luke dead... There's like that's that was the new hope, right? That who who's left to uh, to save the galaxy? Well, there uh, is another. There is another. <laughs> and see, like we can't even have this conversation without constantly referencing Star Wars ourselves. Yes. Um. So, so I uh, Leia ends up on Dagobah, and because it's Leia, she finishes what she starts. <laughs> yeah. Um. She she completes her training. She becomes a full fledged Jedi before. Going to confront Vader, um, there, there's a whole sort of second storyline with with Han and Chewie. Um, they end up getting it's, he sort of they go to try and pay Jabba back, but um, Jabba tries to feed them to a couple of Nexu, and uh, and then Han and Chewie sort of lay waste accidentally to uh, to Jabba's palace, and then the Emperor senses. Yoda and Leia and Dagobah and sends Vader, and uh, and in doing so, Vader and, and and sorry, Vader and Yoda actually have a confrontation inside Anakin's mind, which is my favorite part of all three of these books. Yeah, because when you when he gets in there, he sees that Vader's own vision of himself is is even more ominous and, and foreboding than, than the actual visage of Darth Vader. Right. And one of the best parts of that is that he's actually based very heavily on the original Ralph McQuarrie design. So I was going to ask much you, more wolf-like in the mask and sort of a little bit scarier. I was going to yeah. ask you when these books were published originally. Is it so, like in the context of the, yeah, the new, the, the prequels? So a new hope comes out just before, uh, Attack of the Clones. 
Okay. And then the other two books came out after Attack of the Clones. So that's but why... Before but before Revenge? Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Okay. So that's why in uh, Empire, there are Nexu in it, because the Nexu was introduced in Attack of the Clones. Okay. So it was something very, like, of the moment. Right. Um, yeah, so the, 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 I think that, that that historical context is actually really important, because... The story wasn't complete, so they didn't really know where a lot of things were right. going. Yeah. Um, and and you know, I mean, obviously these don't count for continuity at all because they they go off on their own tangents. But yeah, um, um, yeah and that my, one of my other favorite things happens in Return of the Jedi, um, where I uh, let's see what's the what's the difference in Return of the Jedi? Well, the um, the thermal detonator explodes. Oh no! The 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 thing that that takes the timeline in a different direction is that C three PO's head pops off when Jabba knocks him over, which happens in the movie. Jabba knocks him back. Um, in but the they negotiation, don't, but they don't recover him. Yeah, but he doesn't recover, so there's no one to translate for uh, Princess Leia disguised as the bounty hunter Bausch. Right, and so she pulls so her helmet off. Yeah. And then and then everything kind of goes crazy. She shoots at Boba Fett as he's trying to escape with Han in carbonite, and that damages the carbonite, uh, and so Han never gets his vision back. Um, yeah, and then a bunch of other stuff happens, and basically, like Return of the Jedi is kind of the one that that kind of ends up going full circle and and winding up in the same place that the other ones did. Well, they all kind of do. I mean, A New Hope winds up. Um, you know, they destroy the Death Star in the end yeah. and they all get medals. That comes, yeah. kind of comes That's full true. circle. Except that happens, like, the full... That happens after Luke has fully realized his... Uh, finished his Jedi training yeah. and stuff. And so. Yeah. Um, but in all three of these books, um, it is interesting to see that the redemption of Vader is in all three of them. Yes. Uh, so in it doesn't matter kind of what story they tell. In yeah. the end his family ties kind of overcome yeah. so, the, the dark side. Yeah, so one of my favorite things in in, in all of them that, that I was going to say is in Return of the Jedi is the end of the book. Oh, yeah, that was a good uh, Vader is redeemed, but he doesn't die. Yeah. Because I, I, Leia is is also there um, to uh, to to redeem him on, on the second Death Star in the, in the Emperor's throne room. So... Um, so he emerges at the end of the book uh, as Darth Vader, but all clad in white yeah. because he's now Anakin Skywalker again. Right. And, uh, and, and the Emperor has escaped somewhere into the galaxy, but the, you know, now Vader is, is on the side of the Rebels. Yeah. So, and so the, the family story, yeah. is together and they're going to go off on their adventures. Yeah, the Skywalkers are all are all there. Well, you know, except for Padme because she died for some inexplicable reason. Um, <laughs> a broken heart. Actually, I there, a there's, a, there's a whole theory on that. But I, I yeah. Um, so I love these books. I, I think that they're a lot of fun. Um, I don't necessarily think that they're well written. Um on a on a page by page, you know, uh, word bubble by word bubble basis. Yeah. But I think that conceptually, what they are is awesome. Um, the Empire Strikes Back actually has incredibly good art. Um, the other two books are okay. Um, Empire serviceable. Oh, thought, yeah, but, Empire got a little cartoony. 
Well, yeah, um, well, that's sort of what I lean more towards, that sort of thing. So I liked the um, I liked New Hope's art. Yeah. Um, the the thing about these Star Wars comics, and oftentimes this is why I can't get into them, is because the characters, um, the artist has to rely on no, drawing the characters like how the actor what the actors look like. Yeah. Whereas if you pick up a Superman comic. Superman, everyone draws Superman's face differently. Yeah. It all leans toward whatever style the artist does, and they don't always have to look like Christopher Reeve or whoever is Superman at the time in the, in the movies. Yeah. Um, but these ones, you know, Luke always has to look like Luke. Han always has to look like Han. And so some of these artists, especially in Return of a Jedi, like, it just, some of these faces just look terrible, and it really pulls me out, yeah. of, out of that. So I'll, 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 I'll tell you what my guess is on this. Um... A New Hope and Empire were given a lot of breathing room, but I bet you anything all three books were scheduled in advance, and Jedi was the one that was sort of left with the least amount of time, because comics are almost always behind schedule, because artists are artists. Um, and, and you so, can tell, I mean, there's lots of um, vacant backgrounds in, yeah. in Return of the Jedi, and uh, lots of color to, to cover up the yeah. fact that there is and the, and the ships are And the ships look, look very digitally rendered. Yeah, um, true. I, the, yeah, even R two does. There's a shot of the uh, of the Death Star, uh, tw- early in the book, the second Death Star that looks like it was just basically a photocopy that was cut out and pasted into the page. Right. Um, yeah, the Jedi is is the the art I think is a little on the sloppy side, but um, but I think that that happened because they sort of set those timelines and then they, uh, for whatever reason, they this artist was either just not that great or or just under the gun. Yep. Um, and so it But you it think comes for, for a mini-series, yeah. you could give it all the time. If, it, if you, you push it back a couple of months, whatever. But you know what? Like This is this is sort of the staple of Dark Horse as a publisher. Um, a lot of people got really upset when Disney bought Star Wars. One of the main reasons was because Dark Horse would no longer be publishing Star Wars comics. Yeah. Um, when that happened and that announcement was made that Dark Horse's license was running out and that Marvel would be taking over, I was one of few people who were like, thank God, because at the time, um, Dark Horse was running Star Wars into the ground. They were doing just terrible stuff without new movies coming out, without, without regular stuff. They were just, they were just doing whatever, and none of it was particularly good. Huh. Um, and so, yeah, they were just kind of like like crapping out stories and doing all this weird stuff that nobody... Well, I shouldn't say nobody. Star Wars fans are very indiscriminate, and they will read just about anything with the word Star Wars attached to it. So I, I people ate that stuff up. But one of the last things they did is collected in that Marvel... Uh, uh, collection that the Star Wars Infinities books are in, and that was the Star Wars, which was loosely based on the first draft screenplay of Star Wars by right. George Lucas, um, which was uh, the Star Wars. Uh, is, no, it was from the Journey of the Wills, the Star Wars, Chapter One: The Adventures of Luke Skywalker. That was the original <laughs> title of Star Wars. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the full title. Um, and, and so like they tried to, to turn that into a comic, which was a very good idea and it wasn't poorly written by any stretch. 
Um, but the art was just so the the artist that they got was a competent artist, but just the development on it was lazy as all get out because instead of doing what they should have done, which is use Ralph McQuarrie's original art that was done for the original pitch, um, and extrapolate some designs from that, they went back, they used a little bit of that stuff, but not very much of it. And they basically went in and they, uh, they took prequel designs and mixed them with classic designs. Really? And then, like, called them new things. So the stormtroopers at one point are flying on staps, which were the, the, um, the platform speeder bikes that the oh, yeah. battle droids used in episode one. Okay. But they were just the staps from episode one. For no reason. So it was like you didn't design something new. You just took something and put it out of context and put bigger wings on the side of it and called it a new design. Like that's not a new design, right? Um, There were some things like the Millennium Falcon was the original design, which was much more like the Corellian Corvette from the the opening of the first Star Wars. Uh, It was sort of like one of those tubular sort of rocket ship designs. Yeah, with a lot of ports on the back of it. Yeah. uh, that they use that for the Millennium Falcon, but but you could just kind of tell that Dark Horse was running out of ideas and sort of grasping at straws and just trying to put something out as quickly as possible. Yeah. So is that what book um, interesting to read just as a curiosity because it's um, the original draft? You know, I mean, I read it in issues and and reading it cover to cover might be a bit of a better experience on that front. Yeah. Um, and so picking up that, if you pick up the, the, the collected edition that has these three books and then that in it, the I would say that's, yeah. yeah, that's a good value. Um, if you picked it up by itself, I think that you might be a little bit disappointed. Okay. But, but if like you pick I say, it up, you get infinities with it. So there yeah, you go. Yeah, Star Wars fans are pretty indiscriminate. They'll buy just about anything, um, as as evidenced uh, by uh, by Spaceballs and Mel Brooks's uh, oh, uh, sense you didn't of humor. Like that? I no, no, no. I no. I think that it's spot oh, you mean on. the joke that he made the joke that he it, makes. Yeah. yeah, like like he Star he, Wars toilet paper. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, if or you Spaceballs toilet paper. So. Yeah, I love that movie. One thing that I will say on, on Star Wars fans being indiscriminate, and then we'll wrap things up, is that in I think it's in the UK, there's a company that is actually selling reams of paper, yeah. like copy paper, okay. like like printer copy paper, that just comes in a Star Wars box. <laughs> it's just blank white paper. So you take the package off, throw it away, and you have a ream of just plain white paper. Yeah, but but it's... Okay, so it comes in a nice, like like, you know, paper... Like when you get it in an office, mm-hmm. it comes in that nice sturdy cardboard box. Yeah. Yeah. So it comes in that, but that has awesome Star Wars art all over it. P- original Perfect. poster art. I will save that box to yeah. put all my Star Wars stuff in it. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then each individual ream, which is like whatever, a thousand sheets. I don't know how many is in a ream of paper, whatever. Uh, is wrapped in, there's three of them in each box, and each one is wrapped in its own individual Star yeah. Wars art paper. Right. So yeah, you, you unwrap that package and throw it away, and then you use your paper. But, well, and that's no different than, but people you know, will buy that Star right? Wars cereal, which is just yeah. Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios or whatever, except it yeah. has Yoda on the box. It's yeah. like you eat all the Cheerios, and now you have a, a box. Yeah. Yeah, Star Wars fans will buy just about anything. I bought a box of Shreddies last year because it had Captain Phasma on the box. Oh, and you're then, one of these people. And then got it home and was like, wait a second, I don't like Shreddies that much. <laughs> like, I used to eat Shreddies when I was a kid because my parents made me. Yeah. I'm an adult. I can buy whatever I want. So I bought a box of Cocoa Pops. <laughs> I, 
Yeah. Um, although now I'm a parent, so eventually I gotta like tone down on all that stuff. Because you, you no, know, what you do is you buy it and then you yeah. eat it after the kids go to bed. That's true. That's yeah. what my dad used to do. Yeah, there you go. He used to That's... eat just like giant bowls of cereal after we go to well, sleep. You that, wake up in the yeah. middle of the night, my dad would be when sitting I eat in all his my bathroom. ice cream. Yeah, the kids never get ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Before this turns into a parenting podcast. Let me just say that um, I'm a big fan of Marvel's What If comics. Yes, I love them. I think they're great. But you do need to have a vast knowledge of the characters in order to fully enjoy and the storylines. Because it's like, what if Jean Grey didn't die in the Dark Phoenix saga? Well, you will have had to read the Dark Phoenix saga to fully appreciate that that particular issue. And that's the same with these ones. Yeah. So I have seen all the movies. Yeah. So I really appreciate it. I love alternate storylines, alternate dimension, alternate you know. That kind of stuff. So, which is why I like these new Star Trek movies. Yeah. Because they're not just a reboot. It's like, what if this yeah. happened and now we have a whole people, series people, of new Yeah, people Star forget Wars, with, the, with the new Star Trek movies. They go, like, Kirk would never do that. Like, if they're talking about Star Trek Beyond or Star Trek yeah. I, I, Into Darkness, they're like, Kirk would never behave that way. And it's like, uh, have you not been paying attention that's not your Kirk. Yeah. That's not William Shatner's version of Kirk. He's still Kirk, but Shatner's Kirk had the influence of his, of father, his father. And this and, one did and not. And this one didn't. But uh, but the new Star Trek that's coming out, the, and the next one, because, uh, uh, sorry, Beyond just came out, yeah. which I thought was awesome. I loved it. Um, I was like, I nobody cared about that movie in the lead up to it, and then I went and saw it and was like, this movie was yeah, awesome. Yeah, I liked it too. My wife is a huge Star Trek fan, and she did not like it. But <laughs> yeah, I can understand yeah. that. Um, but, uh, the next one somehow, uh, because, you know, Chris Hemsworth played, uh, uh, George, yeah, George Kirk in, in the beginning of, of the yeah. Star Trek reboot, um, before he had played Thor. So he wasn't like a big deal yet. And now he's a big deal. So they're somehow going to bring him back for the well, and, one. And his mom is, um, what's her name from Once Upon a Time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, what, how come I can't remember her name oh. right now? I can never remember him either. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah. you got two famous people. Jennifer, is Jennifer something? It is. It yeah. is Jennifer something. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, anyways. But anyway, you got two famous people playing yeah. those roles. Of course, why not bring him back? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, those whole, that whole series is basically a what if and cool. totally in keeping with Star Trek yeah. because uh, Star Trek is all about alternate timelines and yeah. slingshotting around the sun in order to bring Spock back to life and all that sort of thing. Yep. I... I cool. Um, yeah, I the last thing that I'll say is that yeah, with Marvel having the Star Wars license now and the what if concept being such a big thing in Marvel fandom, I think it's time for Marvel to do some more infinities. some more Star Wars infinities. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's been long enough that the prequels deserve this treatment because you could tell a Star Wars what if um, that that fixes the prequels so this is <laughs> yeah. my pitch i'm i'll only pitch the phantom menace and it uh, the the key to these stories is that you have to pick one key point in the film where something different happens yep. and that different thing has a chain reaction throughout the series mm-hmm. so my one thing is in the phantom menace instead of Darth Maul, instead of Qui Gon and uh, escaping from Darth Maul on Tatooine when he first attacks them, yeah, he catches up to them and and on the speeder bike or whatever, and then they have that really brief lightsaber battle, and then he jumps on the ship and takes yeah. off. Instead of them jumping on the ship and taking off, 
Obi-Wan hasn't fixed the hyperdrive yet. So Obi-Wan has to come out and they have to do battle against Darth Maul in the desert. And because Darth Maul doesn't have a bunch of tricks up his sleeve like he does in the power generator, two well-trained Jedi in their prime take him down. Take him down. And so Qui-Gon's alive. So Qui-Gon, the the- Qui-Gon is alive and Count Dooku comes into play much earlier. Right. Before he's able to to create the clone army and all this sort of stuff. So um, uh. Dooku being alive... Or sorry, Dooku coming in and Qui Gon still being alive because they're master and apprentice or yeah. former master and apprentice adds a whole new dynamic. Obi Wan doesn't have to train Anakin. Qui Gon trains Anakin, which right. leaves Obi Wan open to have a romantic partnership with Padme <laughs> that he doesn't have in the original, which leads to a love triangle by Revenge of the Sith and is the reason why, because it all has to come full circle and right. basically end in the same place anyways. Yeah. Uh, Vader. Like Anakin becomes Vader by that route instead of instead of what happens in the Padme has a secret. They have a secret love child. Yeah. Who eventually, the offspring of who is uh, Ray in Force Awakens. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I uh, no. I have my own theories on that. Okay. Anyways. Well, pitch it uh, to, to Disney and see yeah, what they say. Yeah. So as I say on all of the podcasts, if anybody from Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm is listening. I, I'm available. I, I, I'm, I'm inexpensive because I've never written a comic book before. Uh, I've also never written TV or movies, but I'm available <laughs> for all of those jobs. And I think I'd be pretty good at them. Um, but, uh, but, you know, you gotta, they got to give me a shot. So, I, so I'll just put that out there into the universe like okay. I do on all the podcasts. Um, and one day, maybe somebody will. But uh, <laughs> I, I, that's it for Star Wars Infinities. Um, what are we reading next month? So we're taking we're taking January off. Well, first of all, next week we're going to read Power Rangers. Yes. So uh, come back for that one, the yeah. first volume of the new Boom series. Yes, which um, is awesome. Which is awesome, yeah. Um, yeah, and then we're taking January off. Yeah. Um, but we're going to take advantage of the fact that we've got January off to read a gigantic beast of a book, which is Curtis's pull. Yeah, uh, it's called The Eternaut, and uh, it's a it's like, I don't know, 250 or 300 pages or something yeah. like that of really great classic pulpy sci- sci-fi it's cool very good um and so i uh, because we've got that gigantic tome to read i uh, i picked something that was a little bit more i uh, i of the um quick read variety <laughs> yeah uh but is no less a uh, an incredibly fantastic book and that is volume one of runaways which uh, which i think i've been threatening for a while yeah um by, written by brian k vaughn and illustrated by i should know this off the top of my head um adrian alfona uh, oh yeah one of my favorite artists and we we um, he did miss marvel right yes yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um which we talked about in a previous yeah. episode yeah and uh, and and i just love uh the style of runaways and the and the the book itself yeah. it's one of my favorites um and so we'll be reading we'll be reading that as well and then uh, uh we will reveal our our reader poll in the uh, next episode in the next episode after we've talked about power rangers mm-hmm. so uh so that's it for this episode and we will see you next week keep reading comics For more episodes of the Pullbox Podcast, visit us at pullboxpodcast.com or on iTunes. You can find me on various social media websites. Just search for Curtis Findlay. That's Curtis with a K. 
You can follow me on Twitter at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F, and, you know, on Tumblr and Instagram and all those other social medias as well. Uh, go to patreon.com slash thunderquack to support us, where you can kick in as little as a dollar and get a bunch of great rewards. The exclusive Thunderquack podcast, as well as access to the Facebook group. And by getting access to the Facebook group, you get that direct line to us to send us suggestions for what we should read on the podcast. If you like this podcast, you can check out other great podcasts on the Thunderquack Network by heading to thunderquack.com. 